We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. He uh, got cut up with a few things to take care of this weekend. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into film via Moses Power for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 565, 565, our first uh, numerical palindrome of the year, and um, always a welcome sight. And uh, this week we're talking Argyle. The latest film from director Matthew Vaughn, uh, who has teased us for months with the prospect of learning who the real Agent Argyle is. And let me tell you, we have the answer. Are we going to talk about that on this podcast? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But Argyle is the film we're talking about this week. And joining me to discuss Argyle, we have from the Forgotten Film Cast, when Henry Cavill writes spy novels, his leading man looks like this man. It's Todd Liebenau. <laughs> thank you thank you i was considering uh doing some joke about how this wasn't a diehard spinoff and i was really disappointed about that but that has been beaten into the ground over the last few days so <laughs> forget it <laughs> well todd how are you doing i'm doing good thanks for having me for sure uh happy you know i will it's february i don't need to say happy new year anymore whatever who cares <laughs> <laughs> happy groundhog day happy, That's what gr- we can happy groundhog's day weekend <laughs> that is actually that's a big deal for me because i've shared this on many podcasts before i've been on several podcasts about the movie groundhog day but it is a special movie to me because um it was actually not filmed in punxsutawney pennsylvania it was filmed in woodstock illinois which is my wife's hometown Ah. and when we first met and started dating they were filming that movie there so um my my future in-laws got their picture taken with bill murray and then got home and realized there was no film in the camera so (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were gonna say especially because you got caught in your own time loop situation and nobody believes you (laughs) i am in a time loop i've been talking about this argyle movie for years (laughs) what if that was a thing um (laughs) <laughs> well glad to have you here we should have another guest joining us at some point soon he's running late so I'll, we'll save that for now but for the time being we can get into things uh first up a number of show notes uh let's see commentary track for whatever reason we've decided to theme this uh first set of commentaries this year commentaries we do every month uh, around the pirates of the caribbean series uh so we've already recorded the curse of the black pearl which is up now it's a new month though so that means that's right dead man's chest is on its way and we have plans to record that episode and uh stay tuned because uh, these commentaries are going to get pretty goofy i think as we continue doing pirates movies uh for the next uh, additional four months coming um, what else? Lots of bonus episodes. Speaking of commentaries, uh, we had our Sundance show last week. That was a lot of fun. Myself and Alex Billington, friend of the show, we talked about the Sundance films. Uh, we also talked, Abe and I also talked about the Oscar nominations. We, you know, we had a reaction show for that, uh, which we hadn't done in a couple of years, but hey, it's back. Um, and that was also fun. And we still got another another month of <laughs> people complaining about Oscars. Uh, but yeah, those are up now and uh, coming very soon, coming for next week's show is going to be our horror awards, uh, which I recorded with uh, Professor Mike Dillon and Mark Hoffmeyer. Um, so that's going to that's that's a fun one, too, where we talk about all our uh, basically we talk about all our favorite horror movies by uh, by way of an award ceremony, which we've done a couple years in a row now. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, what else? iTunes of Razor Ratings, of course. If you like all this free content we're giving you, log on to iTunes or Spotify. Uh, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, and give us a star rating and a review. That'd be great. Help pop us up in the old iTunes charts. 
Uh, all right. So that's that's a show notes out of the way. So let's get to some out now quickies. Each week out now we will talk about the release of the quickies. Todd, I want to know what have you been watching recently? Oh well, a bunch of stuff. Um, so, some things for some other podcasts, so I'm going to hold off on those. But uh, oh, some of the things I watched okay. recently. We can't get well, exclusives you know. over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's mostly old stuff, you know. But um, I did watch this week uh, the documentary on Netflix, "The Greatest Night in Pop," about oh, the recording no. of "U.S. Uh, we Are the World," uh-huh. uh, which I had a lot of fun with. Um, I'm sure part of it for me was big time nostalgia because I'm old enough to have been around when that thing came out. And like, I remember watching that American music awards broadcast that Lionel Richie hosted, and then they recorded it after that and Mm -hmm. you know that. So I mean, just kind of seeing some of the, the behind the scenes and how, you know, everything was not as, (laughs) as rosy as we probably were led to believe back in the day and, and all that stuff. I, that, that was a lot of fun. And I I thought it was really intriguing just seeing how they put that all together. Uh, You know, the, the struggles with writing the song and then uh, trying to record it all over the course of one night. And really some of the best parts of the documentary, I thought were where it goes into some of the things that are not that pretty about it. Like I love the part where, um, uh, like Stevie Wonder starts, you know, trying to get them to add like Swahili to the song. And, and then like Waylon Jennings storms out because he's like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, all this stuff. I was just like, hey, this is crazy. I never heard any of this stuff before. That's great. Um, my one disappointment with it was that it did not answer my one big question I've always had about We Are the World, which is, you know, when you look at the list of all the people that sang on that, like if you look at the 45 record, which I've got one down here in my basement, mm-hmm. I, I've got an original copy of it. You look at the list of names alphabetically. The first name listed is Dan Aykroyd. Uh-huh. And I've always been like, how did Dan Aykroyd <laughs> end up here singing on We Are the World? I mean, I get that, it, you know, he was the Blues Brothers. He's the Blues. You got to represent the Blues. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> Who else like... could you possibly get? None other than Dr. Detroit himself. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's the one question. That was the burning question I wanted the documentary to answer for me, and they didn't go there. So, I was also, I, I quite enjoyed this too. And I was also surprised that Dan Arkwright was not like given much lip service as far as <laughs> why, why he's among all these people beyond just being like, like, if anybody, Eddie should have been there. Like Eddie Murphy makes more sense than Dan Aykroyd, I would say. Yeah, get, like well, a comedian. I, <laughs> like, well, and I was trying to remember: was this before or after, or right around the time that Eddie did his party all actual the time. music party all the time and all that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he did do Boogie in Your Butt before that, so I mean, if I guess that wasn't good enough for Eddie. Eddie saying you know, uh, rock, he sang Roxanne on the bus in, in forty-eight right. hours. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, but it's it's a fun documentary. I I, I thought it's very. I think even if you're not, you know, a child of the '80s like me, it, it's there's a lot to enjoy about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't have the nostalgia for it just because it, if I when when was it '87? '85, I think 80, it was. Oh, '85. Oh, it's a so it's a okay. So yeah, I'm not alive yet, so I don't have the nostalgia <laughs> for it in that sense. But it's certainly like I find it interesting that this thing exists and it has this number of stars in it, and I thought it was well put together like you're saying that there's turmoil and like yes there is because it's a lot of egos and a lot of room and a lot of things going on but at the same mm-hmm. time there's still like a i still walked away with a sense of joy of this thing yeah oh absolutely that that i found to be really interesting like it, it, there's a couple moments towards the end when they 
they kind of celebrate what they're doing in different ways. And I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. neat. And like, yeah. and seeing the, in the like, cause they, they have these like, indiv- they group up th- groups of three and whatnot together and talk about how like those things worked. I thought that was really fascinating. Like the, 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 like the art of making a record like that, I thought was, you know, it's not the most detailed, you know, it's, it's still like art, you know, just trying to be like a bit of fun essentially, but I still think it's, there's something there that I found to be pretty intriguing. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a fun and it's, you know, 90 minutes. It's a quick watch. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and that stuff about the kind of the pair ups that they did there, I thought yeah. that was really intriguing. And I especially enjoyed that one of the people they had as an interview uh, on there was Huey Lewis. And uh-huh. he was talking about how, you know, he originally was not going to be one of the people in those. That was the spot that was set aside for Prince who didn't mm-hmm. show. And then, so they had, to, to you know, put someone else in there, and they're like, "Oh yeah, let's have Huey Lewis do it." And I thought some of the things he shared about just you know being nervous about doing this, and I was like, "Come on, you're Huey Lewis. You had one of the biggest selling ad- albums of the previous year." But he and, was... and and people back in '85 constantly said, "If you can't get Prince, get Huey Lewis. It's the same Absolutely. basic thing." Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, <laughs> they thought about him for Purple Rain, but no, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and china moon it was like okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the greatest um, night in pop that's on netflix now yep well and speaking of netflix uh this weekend i watched the new animated uh film that it's like a netflix dreamworks thing orion mm-hmm. and the dark yeah i just watched this too uh, i was disappointed at this i it it just didn't grab me it it kind of the concept reminded me a lot of some of this stuff we're seeing out of Pixar, like, you know, inside out or, or soul where like we get these characters that are representations of these intangible things, you know, and we Uh get this kind of heady stuff going on. And this felt like it must be, you know, from the Pixar reject pile when it came to that, I I just, I liked the character designs, but I found the story to be really confusing. I thought the voices were, not terribly original i mean this character of the dark is voiced by uh paul walter hauser who i i enjoy him as an actor like he, he uh, he's a guy that played richard jewell in the clint eastwood movie which i thought he was great in and you know he's been in cobra kai and some other things like i i really like him and watching this i was like it feels like his only direction was you know can you do a seth rogan <laughs> it just seems like that's all they're going for there and I don't know. It just, it, it just kind of washed over me and I, I just was not terribly thrilled with it. I liked it more than you. Um, I think my, my main interest was that Charlie Kaufman adapted the book that it's based on. So I'm like, right. Well, yeah. That, that yeah. has me in the door right there. So I'm like, I watched this thing. I will say it like overall, I think it's average, uh, but it, it kind of didn't lose me, but it's just more of like, okay, we're doing stuff that I, basically seen before when it gets to like more adventure actiony type things for mm-hmm. like solving a problem um not to say there's like action but it's like the the kind of resolution that they have to go for is just like we got to do this thing to get everybody together it's like yeah that's fine but like the initial stuff i was really enjoying as far as who orion is and what's going on in his life and why he's this way and that that's the stuff that felt very charlie kaufman to me and i oh yeah i i agree the first 30 minutes or so i i was enjoying but then yeah it just kind of fizzled yeah, and I, I again, like I think it's average. I, I was I was with it overall, but it was still like, yeah, it's not doing too much for me. And I agree with you as far as like it does when you have movies like Insight, like the you know these things that have characters that operate based on a certain thing. It's like, yeah, I've, I've basically seen that idea. So it's mm-hmm. 
it's not giving me a whole lot but at the same time i think it's fine there's like some story in, within a story aspects that i appreciated it's like yeah i wish it was better but it's also like well this is why it's direct to netflix <laughs> yes it's yeah. to like a main <laughs> release from dreamworks a studio that yeah. you know releases movies in theaters when they can <laughs> exactly um and then i guess uh just throw one more out there i i've been in, on a real kind of uh, kick to to revisit some various disney projects recently because mm -hmm. i'm making plans to go to disney world later this year and so i've been like oh let's watch some of these old animated films or let's watch a few entries in marvel and all that and uh today i decided you know i haven't watched rogue one in a while and um, <laughs> you're gonna be like an actual old movie <laughs> like yeah rogue one you know <laughs> well, <laughs> you know <laughs> You're talking to a guy who probably watched The Empire Strikes Back like every day, you know, for certain periods of his youth, you know. So, uh, but Rogue One, uh, I mean, there's just so much cool stuff in this movie. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I, I I guess it had been a little too long, and I was like, oh yeah, there's this in here I really like, and um, I I love the characters. I, you know, I'm 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 a sucker for you know movies where it's a team. Yeah, uh, man, man on a mission, and yeah. I love the different. Yeah, you know, and I love the different members of this team. I especially like, you know, Donnie Yen, and I always forget the name of the guy that's with him. But the, you know, this pair of uh, of characters, I, I love them. I, I love the way this movie salutes various other genres. I like their characters, especially, you know, kind of hint at, uh, you know, like samurai movies and things like that. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff on Scarif at the end very much reminds me of like a forties era world war two type of a movie. So there's just so much to enjoy about rogue one and one of the best scenes in the franchise for me in general with the whole uh, Darth Vader iconic moment towards the end. People like that. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh i'm not huge on it either but joining us now uh we have uh from lead entertainment trying to find a way to put himself in a human-sized cat backpack it's peter paris <laughs> hey, hey everyone hey peter how you doing i'm good i'm very happy taylor swift just uh became the biggest most important person on the planet in history <laughs> that wasn't already a thing i guess she just won the the album of the year for the fourth time beating out she was tied with uh paul simon stevie wonder and frank sinatra you know those hacks so finally um someone with real talent no i'm kidding um but yeah so it was a pretty fun grammys but were you talking about rogue one yeah todd we're doing over our we're in the out now quickies right now with tm and uh todd is talking he's just always watching rogue one recently I rewatched Rogue One when it was in theaters, but right before Andor last year. And I've always been a little mixed on Rogue One, but I liked it more this time. But it's just funny you mentioned the Darth Vader thing, because like, I actually like the scene with, what's his name, with Ben Mendel, you know, be sure you're not choke on your ambition oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah I yeah. like that. Like, But <laughs> seeing Vader like kick ass, which is weird because he's about to be not so kick assy in the in the actual in Star Wars. I'm always like, eh. like I get it's a fan service thing, and I admit, yes, of course it was cool like to see him kick ass, but I it does feel a little fan servicey. But I mean, that's not necessarily bad, I guess. But I don't know. It's the kind of thing where, well, the movie itself is about Death Star plans, which is fan service the movie to begin with so it's hard for me to like be mad that's at true. this specific scene mm -hmm. no, that's <laughs> but, but, I, but i don't disagree with you because it's like on like if i just saw a scene of darth vader fighting a bunch of people not even fighting just terminatoring his way through a hallway in star wars on its own i'm like yeah that's cool 
Like it's it's pretty it's pretty frightening. Within that movie, I I always whenever I watch Rogue One, which I really like, God, I I'm not, I I like Rogue One a lot. It for me it ends when they die, <laughs> like when the when the, <laughs> when the Death Star blows up the planet. I'm like, cool. Disney let the whole cast of this movie die. That's pretty intriguing. And then it's like, and now we have two hats on a hat where it's like, now let's get a Darth Vader scene and let's get Princess Leia. Like, <laughs> all right, like cool, I guess, epilogue, whatever. But I, they, I they let the whole cast die, and then they still were able to bring one of them back. Yeah. They did Andor. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's still all of this is still better than giving Chewbacca a medal for. Yes, <laughs> all of that. You're not wrong. All of that is definitely better than giving Chewbacca a medal. I agree with that completely. Yeah, absolutely. All that said, no, I, 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 I like. Rogue One a lot more than Peter does. I, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's one of the best shot Star Wars films as well. It's a beautiful. Oh, it's very movie. beautifully shot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Be gorgeously shot. I agree. And here Gareth Evans is again, um, or Gareth Edwards is again with uh, the creator last yeah, year, yeah. which I quite enjoyed mm-hmm. as well, and I thought is also yeah. beautifully shot. Uh, Todd, anything else that you watch? No, I think that's enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Peter, what have you been watching recently? Uh, I just started watching True Detective. I've seen the first two episodes. I really like it. The new season, obviously. Yeah. Um, nice I, country. Think you, I think you were the one who said it. It feels kind of almost like their version of the thing. It's very thing inspired. It feels right. Yeah. Not yeah. just because of the art, the Alaska setting, but like that ending of the, the premiere where you see the frozen bodies and everything. I was like, oh, this is totally the thing and stuff like, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, it's really good. Yeah. No, I'm really enjoying the season. I think that's really good. Um, what else have I seen? seen recently i've been you know i just finished my million three watch of brooklyn 99 which you like too right obviously r.i.p andre brower big fan of that show yeah um i was thinking putting one of the rockies on like maybe three because of you know because of carl weathers um yeah we lost carl weathers this week so and uh that's a what a talent he was yeah yeah he was awesome like he's only only 76 right yeah yeah um i don't feel i don't think i yeah i'm trying to think if there's something else majorly that i've seen besides the movie that we're going to discuss obviously um i can't think of anything but yeah so yeah i'm, I'm into night country all right you can't think of a single movie you <laughs> well no i'm trying to like i'm sure there is i don't know why i'm blanking but i guess because i was watching the grammys tonight so my headspace is all like music right now but like i feel like there's something i'm forgetting but i don't remember i don't know sorry all right you're fine <laughs> um i watched a few things uh this past couple weeks actually because we haven't had a regular show um so let's see i watched lisa frankenstein which is coming out next week oh how is it um okay uh like here's the thing it's so it's written by diablo cody it's directed by zelda williams i think as a screenplay Cody's hitting similar things that Jennifer's body was doing. Well, now, I like so Jennifer's body is a movie that certainly has gained more reputation over the years. I didn't much care for it when it came out and having watched it fairly recently again, I still have the same issues. So I still don't like have much thought on it. That's positive. However, this movie feels like it's a better version of Jennifer's body for various reasons, not the same plot, but it has, it's like hitting similar issues um, that I found Intriguing enough, and I think what makes it better is honestly it's just better directed. Um, there's very much a Burton influence going on here. Um, it has fun with its premise. It's 
it's it, like it's hard because it's like the I as a debut film from Williams, like it's not super strong for reasons, largely for like comedic pacing stuff. But like I can't deny like Newton's very good in the lead. The zombie slash Frankenstein stuff is compelling enough. Like and it looks good as far as like <laughs> the way they're operating the the for like a P for a PG thirteen movie. It's like oh, it works well enough with this thing. It reminded me of like Warm Bodies, except I like Warm Bodies a lot more than I like this movie. Um, but it's still it's fine. Like it <laughs> it has enough style that it kind of gets by, but it's like eh, it doesn't do much. Something that does a lot better. Oh, well- yeah. Oh, wait, no, God, God. No, what are you going to say? Oh, well, as long, you know what? I totally forgot. I guess for some reason, I'm, I'm never sure how much we talk about movies if we've seen screenings. I saw Driveway Dolls. I liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was fun. Wait, so that's Ethan. Is he usually the writer or is he usually the director? They oh. are both the same. They just credit, so when they were first starting, they would right. credit themselves <laughs> one as a director, one as a producer, but they they operate the same way. Yeah, but I think back okay. when they were splitting the credit, Ethan was the one Ethan, credited as the producer. He would take producer, right? Joel would take director. And then once right. they got to, I think, No Country, if not earlier, it might be earlier. I think it might be um, like Lady Killers or one of those movies because I just don't remember the credits well enough. But I believe that's when they started doing like the, the Cohen brothers, you know, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it, no, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. Um, I, uh, it's really short, it's tight. It kind of reminds me of almost like a, of a uh like a raising arizona era cones film because like you've got margaret qualley he's almost kind of doing like a holly hunter like kind of thing with the um but no it's pretty fun like i i, I really i i think you'll like it wait did you see it yet i don't know no i didn't know there were screenings uh, well, I, thought <laughs> I gotta, I, gotta look at that, about that one sorry about that um yeah there's like a billion screenings there's a b- bunch of them so you haven't you have plenty of opportunities Good, um, but yeah that, it. it was a fun little road movie Good. I, it, it's a new Cohen stuff. I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of, you know, you've got you've got Coleman Domingo. Uh, Domingo is that his last name? Academy Award nominee Coleman Domingo. Yeah, Academy Award nominee. Like, I mean, you have you just have a you know Matt Damon's in it for two seconds. I mean, you just have like a Coen Brothers film. They always really make good use of like you know really good actors and stuff, even if they only show up for like five minutes or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, very enjoyable. Like, hmm. I like Quali, and I don't remember. Geraldine yeah she's great too what have i seen her from lots of things I, uh, yeah i feel like i've seen her a lot but i was like what recently have i seen um her? i mean there's the miracle worker show that she's been on with daniel radcliffe for like four years that finally got taken out um there's what is it uh what blockers was the movie that she was in um that that beanie bubble movie that you liked <laughs> the beanie, beanie oh movie. right yeah 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 she was in that yes yeah yeah right yeah 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 the driveway dolls good good to know um let's see what else so i, I watched uh io capitano which is the one of the the uh, international film nominees for an oscar it's the last one that i hadn't seen yet um this one is it's it's from italy and it's made by the director of gamora a film that i really like which i didn't know going into this so i was like oh wow that's great um but it's set in senegal it's about two senegalese uh children uh who is in children like mm early late mid-teens they decide that they want to go to europe and the whole film is about their odyssey to get to europe from where they are and it is an arduous journey uh to say the least and it's very good 
Yeah, it is. This is this maybe would have made my top ten if I had my way. Uh, if I if I had seen this uh, earlier, because I think it's a, a really excellent movie in a category full of excellent movies. The, the the international film category is pretty stacked with stuff that I really like. Uh, but I was very impressed with Io Capitano. Um, really really good movie. Comes out I think this month. Um, nice. Probably, so, can be seen. Uh, I also saw I saw a couple a few international films that were up. Potentially, I saw The Promised Land. This is with Mads Mikkelsen. Um, it's, it's also really good. Um, he plays a farmer. In, like, yeah, I guess he plays like a, he's a former captain becoming like he, he essentially wants to uh, make land work in a part of uh, a part of um, he's Danish and he's trying to like make very hospitable land work so he can basically so their country can like have the land and farm it and do what they need to do and he's he's set him he's he's taxed tasked it to himself to actually accomplish this something that nobody else has and it's about just his 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 journey to like figure out how to do that how to deal with the like local aristocracy around him and how difficult they're making it for him um and yeah, that's that's the crux of the movie. And it's also really good. It's gorgeous to look at. It's a really well shot movie. Mads Mikkelsen's always on his game, so it's like he's great here. Um yeah, no, just a another just really good movie. Um also watched The Taste of Things, also not nominated for uh Best International Film. Um this one it stars Julia Pinoche, uh, among others. And it's about these people that make food, and they make food for fancy people, and it's a big food movie. And it's basically exactly what I expected. A movie that looks, has great looking food that I am like, I want to eat those things, but also it just doesn't do much for me as a story. I, I kind of, <laughs> I had an idea of what the kind of, what kind of movie it was going to be. And it was that movie and I'm not unimpressed by it, but it's also like, eh, it's, it didn't, didn't go to, didn't really push the needle uh, for me. Uh, but still the food looks amazing in it. Uh, lastly, no, two more things. Speaking of food, I watched The Baker. Have either of you guys heard the, heard of The Baker? Oh, I don't no. think so. No. The Baker is Ron Perlman's I'm an Old Man in an Action Movie <laughs> lead action movie. Um, it's on Hulu currently. Came out, I saw a trailer for it during something. And so it was in theaters very briefly. It's on Hulu now, so I finally watched it. And I'm going to say, it's not bad. <laughs> like, Ron Perlman is really fun to watch in this lead role. Uh, playing, like, he's... He has some like shady past we don't know about. He's currently working as a baker and like his estranged son stops by, drops off his daughter because he's like the mob wants him. And like what? And the, so the mob gets the son, kills him. And now Ron Perlman's like, well, they killed my kid. I got to go get these guys now. So he's like him and the daughter who's like mute are like going around and he's like trying to like figure out who's responsible for killing his son. It, it's pretty brutal for one thing. It's an, it's very R rated, uh, but seeing Ron Perlman get into like these crazy fights uh, is just fun to watch. And it has a lot of like care, like Elias Codius is in here. Harvey Keitel is in here. Like it has a lot of people in it. Uh, I was surprised by the, like the amount of people that kept showing up in this movie. So it's like, as far as these kinds of movies go, you know, the old kind of aging action star film, like, Oh yeah, I'll watch Ron Perlman do this thing. And it delivered, delivered well enough. 
Cool. I mean, that name is pretty awesome. The, bake. the baker. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the, like, the poster. The, the poster the is... and the candlestick maker are coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> but we, are, we already had the beekeeper. So, I mean, right. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. The poster is, is exactly what you would expect it is. It's Ron Perlman standing gruff, holding a rolling pin with the little girl behind him. It's great. Um, it's just, it's like, it feels like that's what they came up with first. It's like, I guess we reverse backwards this one and see where we go. Right. Um, the last thing I'll mention is the underdogs. Uh, this is on Prime. The, the underdogs. Yeah, the underdogs because it has two G's <laughs> because it stars him, he, Snoop himself, Snoop D O double G. Um, this is entirely bad news bears, um, except with Snoop Dogg. Um, I, I, there, there's nothing I need to add to this beyond if you like Snoop Dogg. I think you can enjoy some of this movie. <laughs> um, it's not doing anything remarkable. It is literally the plot of Bad News Bears, except with instead of like an alcoholic, uh, like jerk, it's this like former football player uh, who's like tasked with community service, and so he has to like help a a a, 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 a neighborhood football team, whatever reasons. Um, but Snoop Dogg, who doesn't get to lead movies very much at all, like I, I can think of Bones, and that's about it. He's fun to watch. He's a character. Like it's you can see why he's a you know he, he's been around. Like he's a charismatic guy. So him and like Mike Epps is in there as the assistant coach. I'm like, ah, this is fine. It's a, as a prime movie that's like 80 minutes long, I had fun with this. <laughs> it's nothing special, but it's fun. So yeah, that's what I got. That's enough movies. So yeah, let's uh let's move on. Let's get into some trailer talk. We got a couple new to when we talk about some movie trailers of the week when they're coming out, when we thought of it, what have you. We got a couple here this week. Uh, first up is the Ministry of Un- Ungentlemanly Warfare, the, the latest tongue twister of a title from director Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, who has not stopped working, like <laughs> he's been super busy these past few years. Um, it's a action spy comedy starring Henry Cavill, which is exactly what we're talking about today, <laughs> but um. This one looks to be a sort of a uh, World War II set uh, men on a mission type film where a number of people uh, gathered together by Churchill are going to go, you know, fight Nazis. You have Henry Cavill, Isaac Gonzalez, Alan Richson with glasses uh, from Reacher, Henry Golding, uh, Alex Pitifer, among other people. Uh, Todd, sorry if you, what'd you think of the trailer for, uh, for this movie? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks fun. I, I said a few minutes ago, I like uh, I like team films, and this looks like it's, you know, like Guy Ritchie does The Dirty Dozen or something like that. So I was like, okay, I, I, I'm into that. And, you know, it looks like it's kind of got this heightened reality vibe. And, you know, I, it was kind of funny because, I mean, throughout, you know, it just, it, it has this almost otherworldly vibe to it. And yet they keep on going based on the true story. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll watch that. So yeah, no, it looks like fun. Peter, how about you? Sorry. I had you on mute. Um, um, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, the cast, I'm always, I, I even though I don't, this is going to sound tiny, but even though, um, I didn't love, uh, what was the Henry Goulding? Was it snake eye? Wait, what was, was that what it was? Yes. Snake eyes. Like, I just, for some reason, he's this person that I'm always kind of rooting for. And then obviously, like, Cavill and stuff. So I was like, okay. I was like, eh, all right. You know, <laughs> I was like, sure. Like, I'll give you, yeah, sure. I've been pretty much the same as what, like, Todd is saying. Um, but the next trailer, I'm way more curious about the movie. We'll, we'll get, get there. Yeah. But uh, I know. I, 
I, I'm not going to say like this is the movie I can't wait to see, but in the realm of no, like, I mean, yeah. but, but 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 in the realm of what Guy Ritchie's been doing lately, I've been a fan. I I, I, I liked his one-two punch last year of Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre, and The Covenant, which are two very different movies. Uh, and this feels very much up his alley. You got Jerry Bruckheimer producing too, so I was like, well, it's going to have explosions. Oh, yeah. So that's something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, no, I like what this cast is doing. I like Ritchie just like. He's just like since like Aladdin made a billion dollars, he's just been like, I'm gonna not stop making movies now. And I I've been right. enjoying what he's been delivering. He's been going different areas and having like kind of fun that he's been having in in like the the old fashioned sort of way with him when it comes to like his gangster comedy stuff. But this is like okay, a World War II man on a mission movie, but it still has like fun. Like yeah, I'm down. That's that sounds fun. Um, well the the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. That is such a what's the. What's the acronym here? <laughs> the, uh, it's the Moo. The moo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> comes out in theaters April 19th. Uh, so, you know, not too much long there. Uh, the other show we're talking about this week, also in April release, is Monkey Man. Uh, this is an action thriller written and directed by Dev Patel, uh, coming from uh, Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw production studio. Um, this came out of nowhere, guys. Like, I feel like he's just oh, like yeah. Dev Patel just dropped a trailer <laughs> where he is, where he's the writer and director, and it's like he's some kind of underground fight club um, guy who wants to. I guess it's like a revenge story when he fights in these fight club things. He wears a monkey mask, apparently. Like it, it it's like all kinds of things. And Dev Patel is like doing fight moves and all kinds. Of, like he's just really getting out there personally. As one who's constantly been like, you know, I, I like the whole Bond stuff. It's like, whatever, they'll announce what they want to announce. But it's like, if I'm going to pick somebody, I've been the one that's been, cha- I've been happy to champion Dev Patel. I think he'd be a really interesting Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if like, if we're, whether or not we ever get something like that, if we don't, hey, this looks cool. Like I'm down. I'm down with whatever this is. This looks like, looks like a fun movie yeah. to me. Oh yeah. This looks, yeah, way, I mean, no, I agree with you. I've also been on the Dev Patel, like um, as Bond uh, thing for a while but this looks way more like you know brutal and <laughs> we would ever get in a bond movie i was like wow this looks like this is pretty good what was the one that keanu directed that's what it made me think of man of tai chi yeah kind of like like oh, diff- totally different life st- totally 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 different style and everything but like but but both has like pretty good like choreography where you're like man like what's well, so this looks like I the raid. That's what this looks well, like. Right. Yeah, very much like the I guess what's interesting to me is that like with Keanu Reeves, like obviously, right, we know now about um the the I always forget the guy's names who directed um they were the stunt guys and then Stahelski. So yeah, like so we always knew that Reeves was worked really a lot with you know his um stuntmen and everything, obviously with the Matrix and stuff. So like that didn't really surprise me that like Reeves would maybe do something like that but like i don't remember patel doing anything like so i guess to me i was like wait where is this coming from like but i thought it was yeah it looks really cool like i i i'm totally down for it and i like all the and i like all the like kind of the um i like how it seems very rooted in its kind of uh cultural um what it's like i guess you need i don't uh necessarily what is it what we say it's like hindu hindi um, I mean, I don't know. I like, don't know I don't, words. I mean, I don't know. But words. I really like that. That I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, I mean, because when I had heard about like it, he, like he's describing it as John Wick in Mumbai. So I mean, yeah, like, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, um, I mean, the, no, the I, trailer I mean, felt very much like it was going, Jordan Peele presents Dev Patel as John Wick. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it looked pretty cool. You and you're right, they're both April releases, so. Oh, yeah, I mean, everything Peter said, I uh, they, they played this, this was the last trailer that played before my screening of Argyle, and I was like, can we show that movie? That looks really good. <laughs> <like that." laughs> um, and I, one thing I liked about the trailer, too, and I, I don't know if this will ring true for the film, but it also looks like it's got a bit of a humorous streak to it. You know, there, It's there called were, Monkey Man. I mean, yeah, I mean know, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> true. Go on, Todd. Sorry. No, yeah, that, that's that's really it. Yeah, that, I, I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, it came out of nowhere for me, too. I was like, what's this? Oh, this looks cool. Yeah. I uh, I think we're just all really excited. It was like it's it's fun to be surprised by something like this. Like I don't feel yes. like we get that too often, where it's like Death to Tell directed an action thriller like this. All right, I'm into this. Let's see. Uh, well, Monkey Man arrives in theaters April 5th this year, so coming up pretty soon as well. Okay, well, with all that out of the way, let's get to it. Let's get to our main review for Argyle. What happens next? It's called a cliffhanger, mother. Ellie, it's called a cop-out. Whoa, hey, there's a cat in there. Oh my God, you're Ellie freaking Conway. Author of Argyle series, Ellie Conway. I am such a fan. Oh yeah, what is it you do? Espionage. Would you sign my book? Here we go. I love this book. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Argyle. Director Matthew Vaughn has leaned into being an action comic book filmmaker and has spent the better part of a decade in the Kingsman universe. Now, in an original film breaking away from that franchise, Vaughn has gotten a bunch of money from Apple to help produce the film with Universal Distributing. The result is Argyle, a spy caper comedy featuring Bryce Dallas Howard as Ellie Conway, a successful novelist whose series features Henry Cavill as the fictional embodiment of the lead dashing spy character. Problem is, Ellie is being targeted by an organization who believes her stories line up too closely to actual secret operations. Fortunately, Sam Rockwell's spy character Aiden manages to intercept her and fight off various incoming enemies, ordered in by Brian Cranston's evil director character. Can these two fight off enough bad guys to learn who the true Agent Argyle is? Todd, I want to know, how many times do you think you've seen the Argyle trailer? And what do you think of this movie? <laughs> I, I think I've seen the Argyle trailer. Boy, it's got to be got to be 15 to 20 times because I, I, I we were talking before we start recording. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen this trailer in front of every movie that I've seen since probably when I saw Indiana Jones or something like that last summer. So, um, yeah, this was the first movie I've seen in months where I didn't see the Argyle trailer because I was seeing Argyle. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it would have been really funny if they still showed the Argyle trailer before. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of thinking that after Monkey Man, I was like, okay, now we'll see Argyle. No, but no, we saw the movie, the actual movie. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm kind of mixed on the film. I think that it's a movie where there's a very clear delineation between the first half of the second half of the film. And the first half I was kind of struggling with a bit. I, it seemed like it was pretty standard stuff in terms of like a story about a writer who writes spy novels, getting sucked into a spy adventure 
I mean, I, I've, I've seen that many times before. Um, but, and, and then in that first half, it's just kind of, I don't know, some of the things just weren't landing for me. You know, the action sequences, I was like, all right, they're fine, but they're not grabbing me. Um, a, a lot of the comedic beats, I think, in the first half of the movie weren't landing for me or for the audience in general. Uh, you know, you get a ma an occasional snicker, but I was like, oh, this is just not resonating with these folks. But then we get to the second half of the movie, and that's where I think it really won me over. And it's interesting because I've heard a lot of different takes on this movie the last couple of days, and I've heard some people say the exact opposite, where they say that you know they loved the first half, but the second half they thought was too ridiculous. Uh, for me, it was the ridiculous stuff that that worked, and uh, which eventually really kind of got me more on the side of the film. But I admit it's a bit uneven. All right, Peter, where are you with uh? Where, where are you with, with Matthew Vaughn? And what do you think I of this gave movie? It, oh, with Matthew Vaughn. Um, I think I like most of Matthew Vaughn's films. For some reason, I'm not a big Kingsman guy, but, you know, I only saw I only saw the first two once. Um, and at the time, I wasn't a huge Taron, Taron Edgerton. Is that his name? Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge Taron Edgerton fan, but I actually really like him now. So I think that movie those would probably, I bet I would appreciate them more. Um, love First Class. I mean, arguably, First Class is the best X-Men movie. It's probably the best directed, for sure, because Vaughn's a better director than Singer ever was. Um, but I, I never saw Layer Cake, which I heard was really good. Um, I'm assuming you guys have seen it. Um, but, you yeah, know, I've always liked Vaughn more than, speaking of trailers, I've always liked Vaughn more than Richie, even though technically Richie's a director first, right? And, and Vaughn's like a producer. Is that how it worked? They were, yeah, they were a uh, producer-director duo, and then they parted ways do their own things and yes so Vaughn became a director over time yeah um but I mean I agree with I, I agree with Todd I I, I reviewed this at, at We Live Entertainment and I gave it a seven um and I I I enjoyed it I think the cast is really fun I think it's a really fun role for Bryce Dallas Howard um but it it is too long and it does have pacing problems one of the things that I I wished was better and it's not terrible um, but I'm sort of to what Todd is saying, because I actually do think the last act is pretty good. I just think it's maybe one too many climactic scenes or whatever. But I do love there's a scene that is sort of ice skate, um, figure skatey, figure skatery like. And I think that was really great. I thought that was really loved clever. Uh, love that. Yeah, scene. <laughs> really love that. I don't want to spoil that, but I thought it was really cool. But I did think that strangely... Vaughn, I do think, is good with humor and action. He balances those things overall well. But I think what's interesting is that the stuff with Ellie, which is the Bryce Dallas, the writer, stuff with her and Sam Rockwell, which is supposedly the real world, which is in big action scenes and also comedic, I think that stuff works pretty well. Strangely, the stuff with Henry Cavill, Dua Lipa, John Cena, that should be like maybe sort of Austin Powersy funny or something, but it's not, it doesn't quite land. Like, I think the actors are delivering You're, say, you're saying the right? Dua Lipa stuff that's like four minutes of the movie no, is no, not as good well, as the rest of the movie? Well, I wasn't trying to give away the Dua Lipa. <laughs> but, but, I mean, Peter, we're operating on the idea that every single person in the world has seen this trailer over and over again. They're very aware of what the thing is that's going on in this film. Oh, that's true. You're right, you're right. Um, so I guess I just, yeah, it was one of those things. I, this actually is kind of a weird pet peeve I have, but like 
this is going to sound strange. It sort of harkens back to, God, I don't even know if I've ever discussed this movie with Aaron. So um, do you know a movie called The Hard Way? Um, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, and, James and James Woods. Woods. Yeah. 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 Right. So Michael J. Fox plays a conceited actor who wants to be a cop. And of course, you know, James Woods is going to show him what a real cop is like or whatever. And the movie part of it, like the part that is like supposed to be the fake part, is so fake. I'm always like, no one would watch this movie. Um, and that always kind of drives me crazy. Like when movies are trying to do the thing where they're like, well, this is kind of like we're spoofing the movie. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But it, I don't know. And so to me, the stuff, I mean, Henry Cavill's in the movie throughout the film. It's not just that like opening and he's good. He's doing what he's supposed to do, but it doesn't. He's in a chunk of the land. movie. I wouldn't I say he's throughout the movie. He's in the chunk of the movie. He's, okay, not sure. he's not in it that much. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But I feel like that stuff, I was surprised. Didn't quite like it. I don't love it, but I really like the stuff with um, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, and a lot of all the other, other actors that end up showing, you know, Samuel Jackson and everything like all that's like, Actually, Brian Cranston, who typically, I typically think Brian Cranston is weird because he's so good in Malcolm in the Middle and obviously, of course, Breaking Bad. It's weird when he's in these kind of like supporting roles in movies. I'm always like, like total recallers. I'm always like, Ugh, this isn't great. It's because he's not very good in them. That's that's the right. That's the reason. But here yes. <laughs> he gets to sort of he starts playing the kind of Brian Cranston in movies that you just said, he's not really good. You're like, oh, he's just this guy. But then they actually do something with it, which I was like, oh, I kind of like that. It's like, it's a little buffoonish where he gets to play a little of the comedy chops that he has. So I actually kind of, it's a small scene, but I did like that. Um, so I enjoyed the movie, but I mean, but you know, Todd's right. I mean, it's, I think it's overly long. I think it has some like dips. I think there are some like, you know, tone issues and stuff, but but overall, yeah, yeah, I did. Also, I want to say, I thought that like, I am, I said this in my review just for like a paragraph or something. And I'm not saying this is like, this should be some super deep meditation or whatever. But I, I appreciate that in a way, the movie is sort of about, sort of, it's kind of about gaslighting. Like, I mean, and it kind of fits the world of a spy because it's like, spies have to you know spies have to, as the as the poster says what is it spies lies or something like that like the bigger like, the greater the spy the bigger the lie yes the greater the spy the bigger the lie like so it's kind of built in to the the world of espionage and stuff is that people are always trying to con each other but i kind of liked how they sort of used it as a kind of sort of comment on like how much do we trust people that we're hoping you know want the best for us and everything. And again, I am not saying this is super deep or anything, but I, I appreciated that it was in the movie, I guess. Fair enough. I um, ultimately like this film fine. I think it's on the weaker side of Matthew Vaughn, a director who I generally like. Like there's no film of his that I abhor. I, I think he presents a lot of interesting filmmaking style. And even with his adaptations of certain comics, it's it's a matter of he feels like he's delivering me something refreshing or subversive every time out, which I very much admire, especially in the realm of like mainstream action films. This is a guy that seems to like want to do something that makes a difference that, you know, feels different than the average thing. Uh, and I, I like that. And it it's weird that it feels like he was 
fairly popular, at least like praised for doing the thing he was doing. And like in recent years, it feels like, oh, another one of these Matthew Vaughn movies. Like, when what's the problem? Like he keeps he assembles talented casts and makes colorful movies that don't look bland and you know familiar. And it's like, I, I don't know. Um, people are just really worn out on Kingsman, uh, a movie series that produced two giant hits. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, this movie, um, I have all the same issues uh, that you guys. I do think it's way too long. Um, I I think it. While it, you know the, it's been reported about like the amount of money it cost, which is more about having the rights than actually making the movie. So I can't like actually get into like what the budget is. Cause I just don't know. But in terms of being a film that's produced by Apple, um, it kind of goes back and forth between I think some of the fights and the action stuff looks really good, where there's also a lot of scenes of people just like standing in front of green screens in front of backgrounds and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like this movie could look better, but it has it suffers from the same thing that other like streaming releases tend to do, which bugged me because it's like ah, locations are nice every once in a while. Guys, it'd be nice to do that again. Um I do think casting wise, that's what separates us from like really terrible streaming movies, because I think everybody's game to like have fun here. I think this cast is having a lot of fun in this movie. I think there's some that are underutilized. Uh, Ariana DeBose comes to mind, who has maybe a couple scenes at most, but it's like, OK, like that's it's odd to have certain level of presence for some of these people. Um, but and like Sam Jackson's in a chair uh, for like most of the movie. Uh, but like there's fun to be had with Sam Rockwell, especially who's entirely in his zone. He's getting to play a lot here, yeah. which I really appreciate any dances and who doesn't want to see Sam Rockwell dance in a movie. <laughs> of course. Uh, and Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. There's she gets to have a lot of fun as well. And yeah, like there's, there's uses of her that I think work quite well for a movie like this in ways that, again, fall into the Matthew Vaughn subverts expectations kind of way that I, I think was worthwhile. Um, I will say, I think, I mean, it's, if you want to get into like the flaws of the movie, it's the same stuff you guys said. I think the pacing's off. I don't necessarily have a delineation between the first and second halves of the movie. It's more, I feel like there are major sequences that are a lot of fun, and then they come screeching to a halt so everyone can tell you about what the plot is. And then they go back to moving along again. In the second half, are there more wildly over the top set pieces? Yes. And those are fun. That's very Matthew Vaughn. But like as a whole, it's less about, you know, which side of the movie works better for me and more about just like the pacing just feels like it just goes, go, 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 stop, go, 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 stop. And it's like, this is a lot to handle. Um, the, the thing I do want to say, though, is, uh, Peter, you were talking about this kind of, you know, the Henry Cavill, Argyle spy element stuff. I think that stuff is fun, and I think the difference between something like that and something like a spy, like a movie within a movie, is that this is not a movie within a movie. It is an interpretation of Ellie's writing. That's Correct. that's that's You're different. Right. You're right. And, yes. Right. Yes. and but I think part of the joke of the movie is that she's not a really good writer. I think I think the movie wants us to believe that like her books are popular. But they're also dumb. <laughs> like the way she the way she narrates is like, and then Argyle got the key, the end. And it's like <laughs> these these don't seem like very good books to me. <laughs> like that's that's the, the vibe that I'm getting. I feel and I feel like the movie acknowledges that too. So when I see, you know, a big action sequence that involves like Henry Cavill grinding a Jeep down a rail to catch up with somebody on a motorcycle, yes, it's wild and over the top, but it's also like because 
because the books are stupid. Like that's that's like the that's the gist that I'm getting. That's so I, I don't mind that stuff. But I will say on top of that, Henry Cavill shows up as this sort of like Ellie can't believe what she's seeing in reality, and that takes the form of Cavill like like being substituted in for Sam Rockwell at times. Yeah, that's I, I I liked. I liked the way it was messing with reality in that way, and I wish the movie did. I wish the movie did more with that. And it just kind of like stops after a while for reasons. Uh, but I feel like, you know, I don't want to, I'm not, ju- I don't want to judge the movie I didn't see, but like, that's an angle I actually thought was pretty interesting. The idea of like this person having this disassociation problem going on with what she's writing versus her own reality. That's, that's neat. Like the, <laughs> the way things progress without getting too far into it. Like there's a reasoning why things get more over the top later on. And I don't know if the film ever like justifies why things could like transfer from the fictional spy world of being over the top to the real world of being over the top in a way that like made a lot of narrative sense to me. Stylistically, it looks neat. There's a few gunfights and an ice skating sequence or whatnot. Yes. That are fun to watch, but like, that's the movie's struggle to me. And that's again, like the pacing and like how to like make it overall work. I think the movie's fine overall. Like I said, I think there's a lot of jokes here that work. The, the cat stuff is fun. Um, yeah. Like it's, I, I wish this movie was stronger, but I did not have a fun time watching it. I actually was not a fan of the, uh, those moments you were talking about where she sees Henry Cavill, taking the place of sam rockwell in especially the fight sequence on the on the train um i i mean i think you're right that it's a it's a clever idea and could have been something but i don't know the way that they did it it made that action sequence feel really choppy for me and it just was not connecting um you know i think they maybe could have pulled that off better if they were going to go with with that whole idea because just you know seeing like Henry Cavill do a move and then Sam Rockwell does the same move or whatever. It, it just, it, it wore thin for me. I can agree with that to a point and I'll say why the other thing that's a problem with me for me in this movie is it's not that I need Matthew Vaughn to make only R rated movies, but this does feel like a film that feels restrained because he can't do more because of its leaning on more of a universal audience type thing. So like, if I if I could see like Sam Rockwell like giving like really dead deathly blows to people and like taking them out or shooting them in the face and blood goes everywhere and then like transfer over to Henry Cavill and it's like more cartoonish or more James Bond where it's not nearly as like yeah. visceral, I think that might be a better version of seeing this stuff because I could agree with you like the I appreciate the technicality where it's like they basically had to film these this fight twice which is like oh that's something <laughs> production wise it seems like that you know that's that's that, that takes some time to do, but like the impact of it. Yeah. I can agree that there is a choppiness to it. And I think more like that train fight is a big sequence. I can understand that. See, he still shows up in other scenes too, where I just feel like there's, there's, there's something here that I like, I really quite like, you know, I like what you're saying though, about you brought this up at the screening that like, sorry, I'm going back to your first point that like, mm-hmm. It's true. I don't think we're supposed to think that these books are very good, that like Mm -hmm. they are airport books or whatever. Like, I agree. But I also like what what Todd was saying. I, I, it was weird. I appreciated the work that must have gone into editing how Ellie sees Henry Cavill and then Sam Rockwell 
and it's like, sort of like she blinks and like I appreciate the skill that it takes to edit a, a big action scene like that and then put these two characters like it must have been a lot of work but it was a little distracting for me like I was a little like eh, I'm not sure how much I need this I hear you um I was gonna say um oh the book thing yeah I, yeah like the idea that these books are because I mean the story revolves around the idea of Ellie's somehow like psychically making stories that seem to line up with reality there's a like that could be an interesting meta commentary on the film itself where it's like this is all dumb <laughs> like the, like the somehow the plot in this dumb book is reflecting the dumb plot of this movie like there's there's something to do there that i don't think the movie knows how to tap into which i, I it's a shame because i like if you wanted to matthew vaughn is someone that you know again has like kick ass is like you know it, it is a movie that is very much digging into the what you know what it is to be a superhero in real life and if this movie wants to like have fun with spy movie stuff and like do something with that the, the like the ingredients are clearly there like there's there there's a there's a way to handle that or even like kingsman's like doing something kind of similar as far as presenting a stylized spy movie but what if it was like r-rated theatrics like there's it feels like he has he's like being held at arm's length because he has to make a movie that's you know fit for all audiences as opposed to the R-rated audience that he's kind of cultivated a, a falling around. And because of that, there's also not much meat on the bone here. Like the stakes of this movie are never high. Like the like what's what's the ultimate goal of this movie? It's just like we gotta find some information before the bad guy gets it or something. Like, isn't that is that about right? <laughs> that's a that's about the most i got like, like the, like the <laughs> world's not under like there's no bomb there's no nuke that's gonna go off or something there's like there's no ultimate like evil bad guy plan beyond bad guys just want to keep being bad guys which is right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like Todd, what, what else did you like this what else did you like about the movie well uh well peter was saying you like bryce dallas howard in this and i would agree i i like her in this i thought she was you know an interesting choice because I mean, she feels like this actual type of person, <laughs> you know, like someone who would have a, a a house out in the mountains of Colorado and, and, you know, never has any actual human interaction with other people other than when she goes out and does book signings and, and, you know, is just closing herself off to the rest of the world so she can live in her little fantasy with with writing spy novels i i thought she was was very believable in that and uh you know i'm, I'm not trying to say anything negative about bryce dallas howard i don't think she's like a hermit or anything like that but you know i she sold me on that and uh you know just i don't know the uh seeing her kind of then transition a bit as the film goes on and get more into the action mode i, I thought she did a great job with that any other cast members that stand out for you um, I got to give some love to Catherine O'Hara because I always love seeing Catherine uh, O'Hara yeah, I agree. show yeah. up in movies. And I think, I think comedically, she's certainly the best in the film. How about you, Peter? Casting wise. Who, like, yeah, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara was pretty, she, yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Um, it was again, like I had said with the Brian Cranston and it's sort of the same scene. Um, she gets to do something that I was like, oh, that's kind of fun, you know, for, uh, for Catherine O'Hara. Um, did anybody? I actually wanted more of Ariana Ariana Debose. Is that her yeah. name? Yeah. I actually wanted more of her because I really like her. Um, and so I was like, ah, oh, I kind of wish we got more. Um, but 
I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole cast is pretty strong. But I mean, the main thing is basically sort of like, even though they're they're actually very different movies, even though they have sort of similar plots, the Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Lost City, which is more like mm. Romancing the Stone, which supposedly is what Vaughn, that's what, Romancing the Stone, watching that with his kids, that's what supposedly made him want to do this, I guess. Um, but like the key to both of the well actually to all three is basically the chemistry of the, your two leads and i think i think rockwell and bryce Dallas Howard have good chemistry and i like i really enjoy seeing her fumble along and you know sam rockwell you know essentially you know herd cats you know via the actual cat alfie and of course um uh, El, uh ellie and stuff also but good use of the cat i mean it's tricky as a as a cat owner cats are really hard to put in movies a lot and i was like well it's a pretty brilliant idea because like every, everyone has those cat backpacks like i have one of those um not as stylish as the one in the movie but i mean like that's actually a pretty good idea i was like oh well we could do this and then we get to see the cat's expression you know little faces and stuff but you don't really have to like keep the cat like you know on the table perfectly or whatever like uh -huh. so i thought that was a pretty mm -hmm. good uh idea um some of the cat stuff is fun. I like that they they didn't overuse it. I, it's uh, one of the things I, I was a little I, I was a little fearful of from the trailer. There was so much emphasis on the cat in the trailer. I was like, oh, is this cat? Oh, there was gonna... also a lot of emphasis on Dua Lipa. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because like Dua Lipa's barely in Barbie. I mean, she's in this longer, I guess, but like. I was very much, I liked Dua Lipa. She was on the Grammys tonight and she was very good. But like, I um, I was like, can Dua Lipa act? I was like, okay, we'll see. We'll see how she does. And I still don't have the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> I don't think she's, I don't think she embarrasses herself or anything. It's not Madonna and Die Another Day or anything like that. But she's I mean, just not in it. She's just not in yeah, it very she's much. Just barely in, well, to be fair, Madonna's barely in Die Another Day too, right? Isn't no, that but Madonna's trying to do something in that. She's putting on right, the yeah, accents. Exactly. She's trying to have clever lines. Like, Billy <laughs> <laughs> was like, come in, dance of Henry Cavill, get in a motorcycle chase, which you're not involved in whatsoever, and then like say two more lines, and then the shoot, shoot that, mm -hmm. shoot, shoot an Uzi or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's not yeah. much going on here. <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, I mean, if you had told me, like, oh, she'll have a small part as an arms dealer or whatever in Mission Impossible or or a fast movie, I'd be like, okay. I was like, hopefully she can pull this off, you know, but I still don't know yet. I'm like, maybe, like, I don't know. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I enjoy. Oh, wait, here's the thing I did not bring up in the review. What did you guys think? of using the reportedly new Beatles song a lot in this movie. I don't hate the song, I, I I like it. But what's weird is they use the song where I think one character is like, that was our song. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this song is brand new. <laughs> like yeah. the whole thing about that song is that we've never heard this John Lennon recording until now. Like that cannot be anyone's song. Yeah, right for, for everything that's like over the top and ridiculous about this movie, that's the one thing that annoyed me. Cause I'm like, yeah. this song, like it's one thing <laughs> if it was like an obscure song or something, it's like, the world was announced that the Beatles yeah. have a new song. Like, <laughs> no one, no like, one walking into like... this movie is being like, oh, wow, they really pulled a deep cut. There's like, everyone knows this. Everyone knows yeah. like that. The story about this song is how new it is. So yeah. it makes, no, that was weird. It's such a silly was... idea to be like, let's like, is it a good song? I like the song, but in terms of the context of which they're using it, 
Like, I don't care how well you can edit to it. It's a stupid idea. <laughs> also, to be also to be fair, for all we know, that's very much a you know universal music group thing that like. Well, it's Apple. They're like, making, when they're making well, movies, all Beatles, they stuff. have no idea what the song oh, yeah. is they're talking about, right? But no, well, yes, and screenplay wise, sure. Like, not, I don't think Sam Rockwell's like say, saying this. Like, can we use that Beatles song? I, right. I, like, I, I'm not blaming <laughs> right. the actors on this. It's just it's a it's a director choice. I've read the interview too. It's like, yeah, like I we we got the song. We decided to use it. It's like that's dumb. Like that's my, that's my take. Like, Todd, what do you think of this? Well, I I was actually going to say the the music choices in general. I I mean, I was kind of like they're fine but i they didn't grab me terribly i mean i was i was expecting more of a dramatic marriage between what was going on on screen and the music and i don't know the song choices just weren't exciting to me on the whole yeah i mean i i uh, thought the, i disagree the ice skating thing that we were talking about and and there's another scene i thought some of those yeah, I, I, no, I think they all work really well, except that yeah. beat song, because if they're like, even if I don't like a Guy Ritchie or a Matthew Vaughn film, the thing that they're really, really good at is marrying music to their they movies. are. Yeah, well, <laughs> like that, that's, that's, that's why I was a little taken back. Yeah, I fair enough. I, I like the like disco attitude that they have for a lot of this movie. It's just it's oh, speci yeah. it's specifically the Beatles <laughs> threw me off. It's like that's. <laughs> don't say this is like this are you know our, our our 10 year anniversaries or whatever they want to say so it's like this is nonsense this doesn't make any sense to me i mean technically they could have used the beatles song they use the beatles song throughout the movie which is fine it's really not until a character basically is like this is this you don't remember this song because before that it's really non-diegetic so before that it's like fine they're going to use a new beetle it's really not until the end where they where they try to it's it's early into a character thing and you're like what it's, like it's, it's earlier than that that they introduced the oh, idea of why the song is because that's why i was annoyed with it it's like if it just came up randomly I'm like oh that's fun they use it on the soundtrack they bring <laughs> they bring up why it's used fairly early on <laughs> um so yeah that was weird you know again with respect to the song it's a you know i mean but yeah i agree we all it sounds like we all agree on that weird choice the uh, the movie here is because one's not enough was was announced as a proposed trilogy. This movie, which cost a good number of money, uh, a good amount of money, did not do well uh, this opening no. weekend. It yeah. it made uh, about what 18, like eighteen eighteen million 30, in domestic, thirty five yeah. total more worldwide so far. Um, you know, uh, whether or not we get an actual new franchise out of this, I don't know because it's Apple, so the movies it doesn't really matter like how well it does. But I mean, if the audience, which gave it a C plus cinema score is rejecting the notion of wanting this and the movie's not doing super well in theaters, even though the streaming thing is more of it's Apple's concern for this. All of this is leading to my question. Do you want two more, at least Argyle films? Peter, do you want well, more wait. of this? Are they because what? Okay. Wait, if you're going to ask me, yeah, what which, are those movies? Let me tell which, let me ask Matthew Vaughn to get back yeah. to you. <laughs> I would say this, ironically, my answer to this would be the same as I as I had when, um, this is going to sound like a weird reference, but it just made me think of the Sandra Bullock, Ch Channing Tatum thing. But like, I liked Sandra Bullock and um, Melissa McCarthy in The Heat. I know, Aaron, you don't love it, but I, I liked it. And I remember when the notion was like, well, it was a hit, and will I make a sequel? I was like, I would almost like 
to do what they used to do in old Hollywood movies where it's not really about making Argyle a series, but it's more like, oh, hey, Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard have good chemistry together. Let's do more action comedies with them. I'd be down for that. So, okay, this is the sub question then. So you're saying you like the chemistry between Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam sure. Rockwell? Yes. Todd, do you like... <laughs> Before yeah. we get back to the sequel question, do you think those two are good together specifically? I, I do. In fact, like when you were posing the question, do we want more Argyle? It's like, well, which Argyle are we talking about here? Are we talking about spinning off the whole, you know, Henry Cavill thing? Or are we talking about sticking with Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell? Because I'm more sold on seeing more of, of Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell together. I thought yeah, they too. were very charming. So here's my thing. I don't think the chemistry is amazing between them. I think they are fine together, but I didn't see this as like a new, like, oh, finally, this pairing that we needed. That's not a slight on either performer. No, I think it's no, it's no, it's no Glenn Powell, Sydney Sweeney for you. No, it's no, no, anyone but you, any, anyone but Sam and Bryce, according to Aaron. No. Um, Here's the other thing, too. You keep bringing up the, you, and you're not even saying the movie. You're just saying Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum movie. And it's like, it was well, the Lost City. Sorry. But you saying that I haven't thought about that movie since we talked about it on this podcast. Like, is that like does that movie have like the staying power apparently? Like I I didn't oh, think about it. Did. I mean I thought it was fine, but like the idea that it's coming up, it's like th- those two already did this movie. It's like I wouldn't have never thought about that movie if anyone if nobody brought it up. Uh and I also I didn't really think of Ramsey the Stone when thinking about this movie. I, it doesn't really come to mind watching Argyle. No, it did. No, I only read it. I think it was in the production notes, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, actually, the Lost City is more like romancing the stuff." Well, because like, well, that's like literally a jungle movie, so it's like, right, exactly. it, it's very right, much, yeah, it's yeah. very obviously of evo- uh, being evocative. <laughs> but, um, anyway, to get back to it, like I, w- more of them together in movies. Like I'm not like opposed to this, but at the same time, I I wouldn't say I walked away being like the reason these two worked because of how strong their chemistry was together. I think they're fine together because they're good actors. Sam Rockwell in particular kind of gets along with everybody, so I don't really see that as an issue to begin with. As far as sequels to this movie go, I don't know. I mean, like it's, I, 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 Todd, I agree with your question. It depends on like which direction they would go with it, but I feel like I don't know what else you would do with this. And I'm only asking that because yeah. it's like it's it's one thing to be like, would you like a sequel to this with? nothing arranged whatsoever and just being like hey there's a thing i like do i want more of that this is a movie where matthew vaughn's literally saying i have a proposed idea for a whole trilogy and judging that from based on this movie my only thought is i don't know what else we do with this like what what else is exciting in the world of argyle i don't i don't have that answer to that question bryce dallas howard turns pro when it comes to ice skating on oil slicks and uh <laughs> goes to the olympics and it's uh like a remake of remake of ice castle i don't know she buys a second cat yeah period that's the movie that's the whole, <laughs> that's, it's a lot of decision making <laughs> that's what you get here um <laughs> I talked about the visuals of being stylish or what have you. Peter, do you have any thoughts on like the, the visual style of this movie? I also talked about its limitations, but. Uh, I think yeah. the thing I actually was that drew me more was I thought they did a pretty good job of like, because um, it is the cinematographer who did Rogue Nation. And I forgot. George Richmond uh, is the cinematographer. Rogue right, Nation, George Richmond. And I forgot who did both, the costumes. Both Kingsman but, movies. Uh, oh, yeah. But I think that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Vaughn's films usually the costumes and like the look are usually pretty on point. And so like, I thought that having to 
basically have two different kinds of worlds or whatever. I thought, yeah, I thought it works like, like mostly well. Like, I mean, visually, I mean, like visually, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know, I always know when I'm in the the imaginary one or whatever. Like, um, and I like the costumes and stuff. I thought all that looked like really nice. Yeah, I don't have any major. I'm not like blown away or anything, but I thought it was all pretty, you know, all pretty solid. You're not wrong about the costumes. That's actually a good point to make because again, I think he and Richie, because they have similar things going on. That is something that I think they're actively thinking about as opposed to like, you know, whether it's CG superhero costumes or just like strike teams dressed in black or whatever, like these movies they have people wearing cost like you know you know colorful costumes like it's stand it's it's why the like I wish this movie looked better but it does like have color and vibrancy to it in a way that so many action films these days on a mainstream level don't and it's yeah, like well, that I is agree. something I can I I can latch on to that you're giving like Henry Cavill this velvet green suit for a good portion of the movie <laughs> or even even Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard who are like mostly in like civilian clothes they still like have color and a sense of place like they feel identifiable yeah. that's i can appreciate that but uh talk about you with like the visuals and the style of this movie oh i like the visuals I, I especially like when we got into some of those uh you know crazier sequences and they really play with that like the the whole fight with the smoke bombs or you uh-huh. know whatever you call the color oh, yeah, smoke cool. and all that. That, that yeah yeah that was great and um and, and again, I, I keep going back to the ice skating sequence, but there's some cool stuff going on with the ice skating and, and how that all works. So, yeah, visually, I, I, I thought it was it did the job. Fair enough. All right. Well, I, I mean, I don't know what else we can talk about. It seems like we all were like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> on, on as far as our regard for the film. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going. Uh, when the movie is currently playing in theaters and IMAX, um, when should people go and see Argyle? Peter, when should people see this movie? I mean, I had a pretty fun time. I mean, it, to me, it's it, it very much could work as like a fun matinee. Um, and I do still, you know, I, I like seeing movies on the big screen and this is a big action movie. So, yes, I'm sure. Does that mean it does it have a is it set to be on Apple soon or something or it'll be on Apple within a, a you know, a few months, same way. Killers of the flower. Yeah. Apple I mean, right I, now. I would say if you like Matthew Vaughn and, and these kinds of films and stuff, I would say, yeah, like check out a matinee. I think it's, I think it's, it's a solid fun time or anything like, yeah. Okay. Todd, how about you? When should people see this movie? Yeah. I, I don't know that it's, it's, you know, necessarily the big thing to rush out and see, but I think there are some things about it that certainly, are probably going to play better on a big screen, like those big action moments in the end that get real crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm with Peter. I don't know that it needs to be your first priority, but I, I think it would still be a, a good thing to catch, you know, on a, on a lazy afternoon or something like that. I can agree with that sentiment. I think, uh, you know, you don't need to race out to the theater, but it, it has the kind of action and stuff that I think is cool for it. That said, I mean, watching this in 4k on Apple, not a bad way to go either. I think there's, uh, if you have enough curiosity, you can certainly, you know, watch it that way. Um, all right. Well, we've talked about Argyle. And uh, if you want to find out the real agent Argyle, I guess you could have to go see it. But uh, moving on from there, it is, uh, t- what time is it here? Actually, it's time for, it's time for a game. That, of course, is the improv theme for games. And I have a game for you guys this week. 
It is called Big Cast, but who's the star? What I'm going to do is I'm going there's a there's a, a theme to all the movies that are answers to these questions or not questions. But what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to look at the cast list from various movies and I'm going to read you the names starting from the bottom. And the further I go up, the more obvious it may be. But if you feel you know what movie I'm referring to based on the cast alone, buzz in with your name mm-hmm. and say the answer. Keep in mind that we're talking about Argyle this week, so you can maybe figure out like the theme of the the answers that I'm going through here. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this going. Hey, everybody, you get this? Make sense? What I'm gonna do? Yeah, I think we've done this before. Yeah, actually, probably. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not the first time we did this game. Okay, here's the first movie. I'm gonna start reading some names from the bottom of the cast list going up. Lucas Haas, Michael Caine, Pete Postlethwaite, Marion Cotillard. Tom Berenger, Killian Murphy, Dilip Rao, Ken Watanabe, Peter. Oh, wait. Mm. <laughs> I was going to uh, shoot. I... All right, I'm going to throw mine out there, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong now. Ken Watanabe. I was going to say the town because you In... said Peacock. <laughs> Incorrect. What? No. Yeah, incorrect. Well, I was, I was, I was like, well, you're done. I'm gonna keep going. If Todd, you can get the steal here. Ken okay. Watsonabi, Tom Hardy, Elliot Page, Joseph. Oh. Yep. Todd. Wait. No. Um. Um. Inception. Inception is the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> Todd's on the board. I, I, I went through like you know. So all of these, you know, I was going Batman. Begin what? No, <laughs> I know. I thought that. Yeah, at first, and I was like, no, it's not a Nolan movie. Like, um, but okay, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to start going through this cast now. Next movie: Xander Berkeley, Jeremy Piven, Tone Loke, Henry <laughs> Rollins, what? Danny Trejo, Susan Trailer, Hank Azaria. Kevin Gage, Tom Noonan, Natalie Portman. Oh, Peter. Peter? Heat. Heat is the correct answer. Pete's on the board. All right, here's the next one. (laughs) This is going to be funny. Okay. Clark Gregg, Paul Bartell, Dan Hedaya, Giancarlo Esposito. Susie Amos. <laughs> that rascally Pete Postlethwaite. <laughs> <laughs> Chaz Palman Terry. Kevin Spacey. Oh, Kevin. oh uh, Todd. Todd? The usual suspect? The usual suspect is the correct answer. All right. Oh, okay, cool. All right, here's the next one. Let me find this. Some of these have a lot of names, and I'm like, I have to like eliminate certain ones. So it's just like, it's not too weird. <laughs> um, where can I start from? Okay, this will do. Hmm. All right. David O'Hara, James Badge Dale, Kevin Corrigan, Alec Baldwin, Anthony Anderson, Vera Farmiga. Ray Winstone, Martin Sheen, 
Mark Wahlberg. Peter. Peter. The Departed. The Departed is the correct answer. The Departed, yeah. Very good. You guys are tied. Here we go. We're at the halfway point. Where the where the points really get get important here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Actually, I gotta I gotta look this up somewhere. I was doing one of those alphabetical things. That's not gonna help me. One second. Okay, here we go. James Remar, Ernest Borgnine, Julian McMahon, Richard Dreyfus, Brian Cox, Rebecca Pigeon, Mary Louise Parker, Carl Urban, Helen Mirren, John Malkovich, what? Morgan. Oh, uh, uh, um, Todd. Todd? Red? Red is the correct ah, answer. Nice. I feel like if I get to the first name on the list, I get the points. I feel like that's <laughs> If I get to Bruce Willis. Like... All right. Here's the next one. Uh, where am I starting? Okay. <clears throat> Bill Paxton. Matthew Kasovitz. Michael Fassbender. Julian Alcaraz, Ewan McGregor, Antonio Banderas, what? Michael Douglas, Channing Tatum, Michael Angarano, Gina Carano. Peter? Peter. Ah, shoot. It's the Soderbergh one. Um... Ah, what's it called? You have a name for me. <laughs> oh, um, uh, Todd, if you know it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you not I don't remember? know. Todd for the steal? No, yeah, I don't remember Is the name. Traffic? I know it moved. It's not what traffic. It? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, it's not traffic. It's like I keep thinking it's something that's almost referring to her MMA status or something like some kind or but you know, hit hard or something like that. Like, well, you don't have it. The answer is haywire. Haywire, yeah. Yes, yes, sorry, yes. All right. Here's the next one. Oh, these are some names. Okay. It's not as expansive as the list as I thought it was, but because these these first few names will just be giving you nothing. So but I'll say them anyway. Rolf Saxon, John McLaughlin, Vanessa Redgrave, Kristen Scott Thomas, Ving Rames. Jean Reno, Todd, John, Todd, Mission Impossible. It is Mission Impossible. Damn, oh, wow. nice. All right, here's the next one. There's uncredited people in this one too, but I won't go that far. I'll just keep here. Okay. Um, Simon Baker, Paul Gilfoyle, Matt McCoy, Ron Rifkin. David Strathairn, Danny DeVito, Kim Bassinger, James Cromwell, Todd. Todd? LA Confidential. LA Confidential is the correct answer. Wow. I totally forgot Danny DeVito was in that. Uh, What? Keep it hush hush. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, you're right. I forgot. I just haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. All right. A couple more. Um, Kathy Burke, John Hurt, 
Toby Jones, Simon McBurney, Stephen Graham, David Denkicht, Benedict Cumberbatch, Syrian Hines, Mark Strong, Tom Hardy, Colin Firth, Gary Oldman. I don't know what this is. Have I not seen this movie? Wait, what is this? Yeah, I don't got it. I'll read another name in here as Christmas party guest, Jean Le Carré. Wait, what? The author? If the author is in the movie, what could that mean? What? <laughs> oh, oh, uh, wait, is he Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Is yes, that that, that's the correct answer. Yes, it's oh, okay. a soldier spy. <laughs> okay, because I was like, what? God, I was, okay, well. Yeah, it's a great cast and a great movie. You should see it. Yeah, it, it is a great cast. <laughs> I just haven't seen it forever, but yes, it is, yeah. All right, last one. Um. Okay, okay. Jamie Kennedy, Jack Black, Dan Butler, James LeGros, Gabriel Byrne, Jason Lee, Scott Kahn. Oh, uh, wait. Jake Busey. Todd. Todd? Enemy of the state? Enemy of the state is the correct Whoa. answer. All right. There you go. Todd, you were able to ah. beat Peter here. You came in first place. You won. Big cast, but who's the star? Congratulations. I did much better this time than I did on those Godzilla movies last well, time. So <laughs> I am pleased. <laughs> All right. Well, good job. And to Peter, you got on the board. You're good. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I did okay. I had a bonus question in case there was a tie. <laughs> I got Tinker Taylor, so yeah, you, wait, you wait. yeah, you stumbled into Tinker Taylor. <laughs> I had I had a bonus question in case there was a tie, but why not do it? It's fun. Uh, what is uh, okay? So Kingsman: The Golden Circle is the highest grossing Matthew Vaughn film worldwide. What do you think is the box office total worldwide for Kingsman: The Golden Circle? <sighs> I don't have any idea. <laughs> I'm not good at box office. I don't know. Uh, Wait, no, it's got to be. I mean, isn't X Men First Class pretty big? So, uh, I don't know, 450. Okay, Todd, any guess? 400. Sure, just throwing out a number. (laughs) Well, it's all for funsies anyway. But you're actually closest. It's 408. 408. Oh, all right. There you go. It made slightly more than Kingsman 401, I believe, and First Class is like 355 or something like that. But those Kingsman movies. Those first two that you know weren't affected by the pandemic were hits. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This will go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash out now podcast. We asked a number of questions to our listeners and they gave us some answers. And they'll get some questions also that we can answer. Peter Todd, feel free to throw in any answers as we go through them here. Uh, first question we have: what are the worst movie haircuts? Chris Cleveland has Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men and Cameron Poe in Con Air. That's blasphemy on that Cameron Poe call. That's glorious hair <laughs> that, that uh, Nick Cage has. Uh, Jay Cluett, friend of the show, has Josh Lucas in Stolen. That's a very specific answer. And uh, Philip Hurd has Harry Potter's look took a turn for the worst in The Goblet of Fire. <laughs> That's the mullet uh, version, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, worst movie haircuts. Uh Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> pretty bad. Hair. Oh, that is a pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I also thought Edward Scissorhands. That's that's some pretty wild hair. 
trying to think of like regrets where like they think it's good, but it's because like Dumb and Dumber, I feel like there's a purposefulness to that haircut. Where like right. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like ones where like the movie well, itself believes in what, the haircut. What was the um, what was the um was it uh uh da vinci code where tom hanks said the there we go see that's a good answer that's a a perfect answer that's one where it's like we made a choice and now we have to stick in with it for three more movies (laughs) 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 like it it's amazing how there's three of those and after the first one everyone was like this looks ridiculous and they're like (laughs) Well, in movies, no one ever gets haircuts, so clearly we must stick with this look. We, there's no right. reason how Tom Hanks would ever change this hair. <laughs> so let's just keep going with it. <laughs> that just kills me. It's like, we all complained about this one very specific thing. Let's not change that. Let's keep that going. <laughs> well, wait, um, but the Ant- Anton Sugar, uh-huh. I do think that's consciously of a specific haircut. No, that's they a give. good answer. I, I'm not saying that's a bad answer. <laughs> Um, no, no, no. I'm saying it's the opposite of the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code one, I think we all think is bad. We're like, ugh, that's not good. I think in No Country, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That they very much. I see what you're saying. Yes, I, I'm asking the question mm-hmm. weird. I guess. I mean, I, yeah, yes. Yeah, it, yeah. It, so, it, it, there's two different ways to look at this question. I guess, and I think yes, the Shigure haircut is so specific and it's ridiculous looking. But yes, he like the the movie believes in it. The character believes in it. Like, I get that. I can't think of another. Well, I mean. Okay, this is kind of cheating, but I, I guess Syndrome's hair in uh, The Incredibles. It's not cheating. Good. It's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, again, very conscious, you know, very deliberate or whatever. Like, um, mm-hmm. but his hair is like actually, it's weird. I can't think of a lot. It's funny. I I always do sort of think of like I don't know if I'd say it's bad or good, but I can always tell like what mode of Tom Cruise or what mode of Ethan Hunt we're getting if he's doing the long the, the long <laughs> hair, the long Mission Impossible 2 hair, or is he doing the, the, you know, the short hair, like the first one or whatever, or something in between. Like the hairstyle is always very specific for a Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just kind of funny to me, you know? And obviously now he's 60, so I have no idea like how much his hair is like, you know, colored or or if he's like, getting a little help little help up there or whatever i don't know you know like so but um but yeah i do think of cruises ever-changing you know quaffs fair enough uh bill murray and kingpin is my answer by the way oh yeah that is pretty <laughs> great yeah that's a pretty great hair yeah that's pretty good when he's like just really going for it at the end when he's winning the goat ball bowling but he's like his hair is just up like <laughs> it just the comb over is gone it's like all crazy it's wild it's fun I mean, technically, Henry Cavill is sort of, it's funny because when you brought this up, I thought you were bringing it up because of the Henry Cavill um, Argyle that that everyone has seen in the trailer. That's obviously I'm bringing it up, yes. Right, but there's another Henry Cavill haircut that is more in your kingpin vein. Sure, yeah. That to me is more like the, ooh, ugly, you know, like type of thing. Yeah, Um, fair. Next question. Name some great movie cats and their owners. Chris Cleveland has Kiki and Gigi in Kiki's Delivery Service and uh, Keanu and Rel. Um, Philip Hurd has Moon and Shiro from, in Whisper of the Heart. A lot of anime answers here. 
Obviously, mm. the puppet cat in Sabrina, the Melissa Joan Hart show, is the best one ever. <laughs> it's not Salem. even a real cat. But, uh, Say, yeah, oh, Salem. Salem? Yes. Is that the name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Salem. Mm-hmm. Witch humor. Right. Um, I was trying to think, does uh, Blofeld's cat have a name? Uh, I don't think I it Mr. does. Mr. Bigglesworth yeah, does. Mr. Bigglesworth Mr. obviously Mr. does. Dr. Evil, but yeah. I mean, what's the cat's name? We just know that it's the... Uh, it's the Gorman's cat, right? In uh inside Lewin Davis, right? Uh Odysseus. Mm. Wait, is that the cat's name? Odysseus? Yeah. That's a that, great cat. Which is a good, really that's, a, good that's a joke cat. in the movie. The fact that his name is Odysseus. <laughs> that's right. the, the amount like, of travel that's, that's gone on. <laughs> right. That cat, I mean, having a cat on the subway, like that's insane. Like, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, that's probably one of my all-timers for me. Todd, any others? Uh no, I think that's it. All right. I'm not a cat person. I'm allergic to him. Fair enough. <laughs> Ulysses, not Odysseus. Ulysses is the inside Lewis. Oh, right. It's the same name. It's just, you know, the translation. All right. Um, what are your favorite movie dancing duo scenes? Adam Fatah has Dirty Dancing, The Final Dance with Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey yeah. made it iconic. That's Chris, a good one. Chris Cleland has Pulp Fiction with uh, Travolta and Thurman. Philip Heard has the lovely night scene in La La Land. It's all about the spectators, baby. Wait, wait. What's the question? Favorite movie dancing duo scenes. Oh, duo. That's why. Because I was going to say, I mean, why wouldn't you say Travolta and Saturday Night Fever? But uh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Duo. Um, I, I mean, see. obviously all the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, like all that stuff's pretty great. But I mean. Yeah. Fair. Um, who's a more... Yeah, La La Land, actually, that is pretty good. That's a pretty good pick. Um, hmm, I can't think. It's weird. I love musicals and stuff and, and dance movies and everything, but I'm trying to think of duets, like a pairing. You are like, such a big Step um, Up fan. You're not thinking of any classic musicals. Well, no, but in Step Up, it's, oh. not, it's really more... It's, <laughs> It's step up, it's more the ensemble. It's not step really up like... 3D has a one shot sequence. It's all. Oh, that is really good. Like I forgot fan. about that. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Take away my step-up card. I forgot about that. You're right. That is really good. Yeah. Todd, did you have one? I'm sorry. Well, yeah. I I was starting to say for classic musicals, the one that jumps to my mind is um, from The King and I, uh, Ah. Shall We Dance sequence. But I have to uh, give love to the the scene from Beauty and the Beast. uh, Yeah, there you go. That, that was the that was my first date with my future wife. So I have to mention that one. The tale is old as time. Yeah. That is awesome. All right. Next question. Who are some great non-James Bond movie spies? Adam Fatal has. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. So Ethan Hunt and the gang. Yeah, the, Ethan Hunt. The, Jason Bourne. Ronan. So I assume De Niro and Ronan. The Hunt for Red October. Who's a spy in that movie? I guess the cook? <laughs> <laughs> and Three Days of the Condor. Original, not the bad remake. Is there a remake of Three Days of the Condor? Um... No, I think there was a I'm... show. Maybe I don't remember. That. Uh, is he is he mixing it up with uh, jackal? the Jackal Day That's of the Jackal? Yeah. The jackal, jackal, yeah, that would make more. Yeah, that, that was that movie good. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad. It's oh my bad. god! Wait, is is a uh, 
Val Kilmer, the saint, is he a spy? And that's pretty terrible. I like, guess I guess he's a spy. I... Yeah. I uh, oh wait, but the question was good ones, not bad. Well, I'm just like, saying, name some great giant non-James Bond movie spies. I mean, the the Saints a movie where I feel like people are like, yeah, because it's old and had Val Kilmer, it's automatically good, and we looked over. It's like, no, it was bad then. That's why there weren't. <laughs> that's why there weren't Saint sequels. Like that's that's a, it's not a good movie. Uh, Chris, by the way, finishing up, Chris Clifford has Burn After Reading, North by Northwest, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, and The Kingsman of the Secret Service. And Philip Hurd has Severus, Severus Snape as a spy. Uh, okay. <laughs> so other uh, non-James Bond movie spies. My, my brain went to um, Harry Call from the conversation. That's that a great answer. Yeah. I like, what's her name? What is it? Anne Pollard in La Femme Nikita? I mean, she's a she's like she's an assassin. I wish I go over his. Oh, she's an assassin. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, hmm. And actually, if I'm going to say Harry from the conversation, I should also mention Gene Hackman in Enemy of the State too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm always kind of in my brain. They're the same character. Yeah, he reprises the role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like Jennifer Garner in Alias. That's a spy, right? It is. It's- a movie podcast but i know it's an, i know, I know. <laughs> I know. But mission impossible starts as a tv show but i mean yes i know uh, um oh, that's weird how can i not think of more good spies i mean it pretty much feels like it's james bond and ethan hunt it's pretty much them like for the last whatever i bet we've just proven to you that there's been any more <laughs> no no well yeah 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 i mean fair well, we... take your taller Tinker Taylor Soldier, that is such a different kind of spy. Like, I mean, this isn't about the kinds, of, it's just a thing. Like, I know it spies. is. I know. Like, it's it's like, like, oh, it's yeah. Like, like, I mean, that's true. Um, yes. So, Severus Snape is also a different kind of spy, but it's still an well, answer. Yes, yes. Let's keep going. Uh, what are your favorite films featuring stories within stories? Uh, Luke Thompson, friend of the show, has ironically just this week, Orion and the Dark does it better. So, Luke was quite the fan of Orion and the Dark. Uh, Chris Cleveland has Citizen Kane, and Philip Hurd has Millennium Actress and One Cut of the Dead. It's a fun answer. Favorite film featuring stories within stories. Author adaptation out there. The French Dispatch. There you See, go. I, I, yeah. Actually, that is a pretty good one. I usually don't like these kind of movies, as I said previous. Like, what's the one that's kind of like a cult classic now the john mctiernan arnold Schwar- the last action hero last action yeah, man like i wish i liked that i'm always like is that eh. a story within a story though i mean it's, it's a movie within a movie yeah well, well if we're doing with, yeah sorry moving well movie. and i was i also was thinking movie within a movie because i the first one that came to my mind was matinee because of matt in that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah i can't think of another wait someone said said citizen kane how is that it's the recollections of a man's life, but I mean, I don't know if that's a story. I think the How's idea that... that it's basically a flashback and it, it has elements that right, I can right, see. That's... These aren't deep questions. I mean, it's just the idea. Yeah, so right. I mean, I get, I get where it's coming from. Like, it could, like, well, because that's kind of flashback because you can't say like Godfather 2 because that's not like a story within the story. That's just like we're flashing back in time. Correct. Correct. Well, all right. Let's keep going. What are some great films about novelists? Chris Hood has Misery. Michael Lee, friend of the show, has Stranger Than Fiction. Philip Hurt has Greta Gerwig's Little Women and Shadowlands. Scott Mendelson has Wonder Boys. And Louis Hernandez has The Hours. Uh, I mean, wait, 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 wait. Wait, you said novelist. Okay, yes. so not so authors. Not writer. 
Yeah, yeah. Not, well, I mean, <laughs> novelist yeah, is the idea based be. on the movie that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because my favorite movie ever is Sunset Boulevard, but he's a screenwriter, so that's why I was yeah. like. Man. I mean, I'm not um, against these. Again, it's it's not, it's not an exact science. These questions it's just about trying to get you to name some movies here. Um, Todd, you know what's an interesting Come one? On. I think I think the player is kind of a weird one because technically the player is about a producer, studio producer, right? But the whole thing is it's it's so centered around him murdering a writer. Yeah. So like, I feel mm. thematically it's sort of in that ballpark. Um, but anyways, yeah. and ahead. the idea that nobody cares about writers, so this guy can get away with it, <laughs> right? Todd, <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna say? Um, Capote came to mind. There you go. Um, and then uh, Mishima: colon, A Life in Four Chapters. Yeah, Wonder Boys would be my default answer. Scott took that, but I think Wonder Boys is terrific. So, um, okay, what is your favorite Matthew Vaughn film, and do you like him as a director in general? Uh, Yancey Burns, friend of the show, just wrote no. So I assume that means no, because he can't pick a favorite. They're all his favorite. And he really very much likes Matthew Vaughn. <laughs> I, since, since the question was pretty specific and he wrote one word, I just have to interpret it the way that I see it. And that's what I see. Uh, Luke Thompson writes, favorite first class, liked him as a director until he apparently decided he was only ever going to make Kingsman stuff from now on. Mark Hoffman, friend of the show, writes, layer cake. I like his movies, except for the Kingsman, not a fan. Chris Gillen has probably Layer Cake, but I enjoy most of his films. Philip Hurt has Stardust with First Class as a close second. I like him more when he shows some restraint. I really like First Class. It's for sure my number one, like number one X-Men, as I said, and my favorite Vaughn. I have not seen Stardust or Layer Cake, though, which I've heard are good. They all go, Todd. I I, I was going to say, I'd probably go First Class or maybe Kick-Ass. I'm not sure. I think First Class, Stardust, and Kingsman all kind of hit the same rating for me. And I like on a given day, any one of those could be my favorite from him. I think those are all just about the same level and all very good. I really like all three of those. I like Kick-Ass a lot, too. Uh, and in general, no, I, just, I look forward to what Matthew Vaughn does. And I, I, I don't dislike these Kingsman movies, but yeah, I do want to see like more from him since he just has so much, he keeps like, he's eight films in. We're beyond showing potential. He's realized that potential. I just want to see more, you know, other things happening from him. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. Now we got a couple questions here. Philip Hurd asks us, no, oh, I love the fun and passion for cinema that you guys have after doing this show for so many years. How do you avoid the cynicism that is prevalent among cinephiles? I, I I like movies. Like I like having yeah. fun. Like, <laughs> I, I, the, I don't know how to avoid it. You speak beyond the idea that I'm just not built to be down on things. That's not me. I'm very much an optimist, even when it comes to like, I don't know, Madam Webb's coming up in a couple of weeks. I think it looks like garbage, but I'm still going to like watch it and hope for the best. And maybe it'll be great. I don't know. Like I, I don't approach things in a way where I have to cross my arms and be convinced to like something. I want to embrace things when I go and see them. I want them to work for me because why not? Why should I want the worst from a film? Why am I spending time on something if I want it to be bad? I want things to be good. I like talking about things like that. And I like talking about movies in general. Like it's like, I don't avoiding the cynicism. I, I don't know. It's just not a part of me to begin with. That's how I avoid it. It's like, it's not, a, it's, I mean, I, it's funny though. I would okay. Wait, one. I. I. It's just so funny. I. I've. I've heard that the whole arms crossed. You know, like type mm-hmm. of bustiness. I have a friend who actually saw 
um, when they saw Batman versus Superman, um, you know, uh, not as wasn't a Zack Snyder fan or what? Oh, I think they liked Man of Steel though. But anyways, told me that when they were watching Batman versus Superman, literally had their arms folded, like you know, <laughs> f you this movie. And I was like, okay, so there was no way, there was no way you were going to enjoy this. Not that I'm going to defend, but but I mean, I was just like, wow. But I will say, Aaron, I will call you sort of. I will sort of Scrabble challenge you here. Yes, I do think that anybody that is um, movie lover, critic, whatever, like, yeah, of course, you always want every movie to be the best movie ever. Like, I don't necessarily think everyone thinks that way, though. What? I don't necessarily think everybody thinks that, or, you know, every movie critic thinks that way. Oh, no, no, no. I know, I agree. I think, I guess I think they should, but I mean, yes, I agree. However, I will say you are, you are, you are, I think you are harder on, I guess this is going to really sound weird for me to say, but I think you're harder on mediocre to good movies than I am. Like I can see that Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander. I was like, you know what? I enjoyed this. And you're like, Ugh, it's, it's lame. And I was like, what? I mean, I, I think for you, that middle of middle of the road studio movie, I think you do kind of feel like, Eh, this is just this. It's or as you would say, it's a movie or whatever. And I'm always like, you're not wrong, but I, I think I feel more like okay with a movie being like I said, yeah, maybe it is mediocre, but eh, I still had a fun time. I'm still enjoying it. You're saying that, and yet we just watched Argyle, a movie I recommended despite being mediocre middle of the road. I mean, I'm not, I, I hear what you're saying. I just disagree with you. I don't like bad movies. <laughs> That's the problem. I didn't walk, but I didn't walk into Tomb Raider thinking this is going to be terrible either. Like, I just didn't like it. Like, that's the problem. Well, I certainly think you wanted to like the Super Mario yes, Brothers. I, of course I did. I Like, I want to like it, I, but I think it's a bad movie. That's not me being cynical. That's not, I don't think I'm grading it tough. I'm, I'm not playing any differently than I would any other movie. I just saw a movie I didn't like. I guess so. I just, I don't know. I always feel like I'm, I always feel like pound for pound, I give more mediocre movies a pass than you do. How about that? I guess like you can say that, but I also see a shit ton of movies every year. You do. You see way <laughs> and, more than and I do. And a lot of them are mediocre that I'm happy to give three stars to. <laughs> right. That's true. That is true. But the main thing is, no, I do genuinely think you and me, and I'm assuming Todd, like I always, I, I always am hoping every movie is like, you know, really good. And, and I get, some, I hope, I always hope that I get something out of it. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. Todd, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I agree with that. But I mean, also, I think just I, I kind of go by there's always so much out there to discover. I mean, even if they stopped making movies, new movies today, there's thousands of movies out there that I haven't discovered yet because there's a hundred years of movie making. And, you know, <laughs> I don't want to lock myself just into what's in the theater. I mean, that's part of what my whole podcast thing is about we look at stuff that people don't talk about anymore mm-hmm. and you know i i love to just run across a movie that that doesn't get talked about and you know i watch it and enjoy it and i log it on letterboxd and i'm one of only 30 people that have logged it you know it's mm-hmm. you know it, it's 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 just fun to discover new things and like i say even if they stop making movies today there's so much out there to discover that's a good addition to my answer as well. I, I too really like discovering things that I just didn't know about from the past, like when it's 
you know, some like, oh, I did. There's a Humphrey Bogart movie I've never heard of before that I want. Like, there's, you know, there's plenty of that to go around. There's so much stuff out there that, yeah, even if I don't necessarily like the movie, it's just fun to like have have actually found this thing and want to talk about. Like when we talked about uh, the there is a crooked man on your podcast. Like, yeah, I never heard of that movie, but it's like this, these have big stars and a big name director, and I've never heard of it before. But it was fun to watch. We didn't think it was great, but it's still like mm-hmm. it yeah. was interesting to to just dig into. Absolutely. That's a good question, Phil. I'll try to bring that up again next week, too, when Abe is back uh, or whenever we get our next episode, because uh, I want him to have a chance to put his two cents on there, too, since we share this podcast together. And we have been doing this for so long without running out of our enthusiasm to deliver the old out now every week for thir- oh, going on like 13 years, which is ridiculous. Uh, we got one more question, though. This one's from Mark Hoffmeyer, friend of the show. He writes, what's your favorite hallway fight? Uh, I believe inspired by the the smoke bomb gunfight sequence in Argyle. I have a number of favorites uh, that I can go through, um, and I will. But I want to hear you guys first. But I'll just throw Old Boy out there to begin with, just because. Well, I knew, yeah, I knew that one would come up. Yeah. yeah. Any other? <laughs> well, favorites? I, I mentioned mine earlier in the show. Uh, Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. <laughs> All right. Hmm. I mean, obviously, the old the Old Boy one is pretty great. Um. Boy, uh, yeah, it's true. We did start this podcast talking about the Darth Vader. That is pretty, that is another hallway one. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I think I'll go with Oh Boy. I mean, I know it's like such an easy one to say, but I mean, that's pretty great. Um, the raid has numerous hallway fights because they're in between yeah, the apartments. I mean, actually, yeah, the yeah, raid too. yeah, yeah. Uh, Inception starring Pete Postlethwaite, of course, uh, has <laughs> uh, has uh, jiggles. You know, fighting the bad guy in a rotating hallway, which is awesome. Uh, that that first fight between the Terminator and the T one thousand—that's an hallway. They're, oh yeah, they're they're bashing each other into walls. Oh, that's true. That's great. I love that. That's yeah. a, that's a fun like. Terminator encounters this guy and is like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, he's he's stronger <laughs> than I am. <laughs> this is not helpful. Uh, X two. I mean, Nightcrawler's in a hallway in the beginning of that one. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna forget that one. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three has a pretty epic hallway fight. That's a mostly yeah, yeah. Taxi Driver. He's he's busting up pimps and stuff in the hallways in that movie, like at the <laughs> end there. And Tenet. John David Washington fights himself in a hallway. It's great. Oh yeah, a lot of hallway fights, guys. Um. And we even talk about like the, the the Netflix Marvel shows that are like, I guess that's our thing now, and they just have a lot of hardcore fights. We <laughs> do, it's true. Yeah. So you know, the MCU, but Iron Man defines itself by saying, "I'm Iron Man." Daredevil's like, "I have hallway fights." That's his <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that now. Feedback, 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 and that's it. That's gonna do it. That's gonna bring us to the end of this week's episode of Out Now Third and Abe. You can find everything I do over my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find my movie reviews at We Live Entertainment. You can find my Blu-ray and Criterion reviews over at Why So Blue. And I am on social media places at Aaron's PS4. Uh, Todd Liebenau, where can people find more of you online? Uh, so my blog is at ForgottenFilmCast.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Forgotten Films. It's films with a Z. And of course, on all the places you find your podcasts, you can find the Forgotten Filmcast. We're releasing episodes pretty much every week. Um, last week, we talked about the uh, the much forgotten uh, movie adaptation of the comic strip Brenda Starr. Starring Brooke Shields and Timothy Dalton, and 
<laughs> this week's this week's episode uh, is a film I really enjoyed, a, 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 a real hidden gem from 1971, uh, starring Jimmy Stewart, George Kennedy, Strother Martin, and a very young Kurt Russell called Fool's Parade. Uh, so yeah, check out my show. Okay. Peter Paris, we're going to move on more of you. Uh, I write for uh, We Live Entertainment, um, get edited by you, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my Argyle review is up uh, right now. Uh, and then on socials, I go by the name Pajamo. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now Fair Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials at Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at some variation of slash outnow underscore podcast. Um, and again, iTunes, iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those helps out the show next week. As I said, we're going to release our horror awards of 2023. That should be a lot of fun. Two weeks after from now, you know, a week after that, we should be talking the Bob Marley movie and maybe we'll be talking Madam Webb too. We'll see what we plan on doing. Um, but yeah, uh, Todd, Peter, thank you both for joining me for this week's episode. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Glad to have you guys here. Thank you the listeners for listening. And that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, so long and goodbye.